0: Okay. Hey, see, seems like it's happening. So.
1: Seems like. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is kind of surreal cuz I've been watching you guys uh pretty frequently. So it's kind of I I felt like I was just like watching the show or like talking to the show. Like I didn't, I it doesn't even feel like you guys are like real people. It feels like I'm talking <laughs> yeah. you, you right? Like as I cuz I hilarious. I see you so often on on, well, on my LinkedIn mostly.
1: So it was kind of like us, it was like when we first chatted, it's like breaking the fourth wall. And it's like, uh, yeah, look, exactly. I'm now talking
0: to you personally. That's it, exactly. I know, it was a little bit off-putting. are famous. Yeah, to me you are. I mean, like, yeah, I've been following you guys Had for you quite even, a while. How
2: did you How did you even find us? I'm thinking,
0: while well, thinking of, I've started recording some of my own podcast episodes. So I just looked up like video, po- like podcasts about video production. And you guys were the first that came up. And then since then I started following and I've just been basically anytime times it comes across, like sometimes I put it on just like on the side while I do other things, like the longer versions. Um, and then obviously like, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm, I like and comment on pretty much every time you guys post on LinkedIn. So. Yeah, no, we, we have- yeah, you yeah. stalk us constantly. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: it's not my fault. I always it's, see you. liked like your stuff. <laughs> it's the algorithm. We appreciate the support.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, like it's like it's it's motivated by my own self interest too. Like I'm I'm trying to create more of a presence on LinkedIn. So yeah, so I'm just engaging with everyone who's kind of in my field, hoping that others see it and so on and so
1: forth, yeah.
2: Well, it's definitely working. Jeremy, what do you do? Because I I really don't, I've been out of the loop.
1: Just kind of give us a little bit of a backstory and who you are and uh, who
2: is, and what is Rubicon's
1: story? So I'm Jeremy. I've been making videos
0: since, well, since I was about eight, eight or nine. So I've done a lot of different, uh, done a lot of different things over the course of my career. Rubicon story is seven years old, and we kind of just started off like everyone. Uh, music videos, moved into little product videos, moved into corporate videos, started getting opportunities to do a little bit bigger things, and then a couple of years ago, we got a, a pretty cool opportunity to start working with, uh, with some clients fully remote, and then, I mean, got the opportunity, COVID came along, basically, and, and yeah, just a lot of... lot of companies were shuffling around and then we ended up getting one really interesting lead and then that led to another thing so now i i basically have like two main clients that i'm that i work with it's all remote uh and i'm kind of like their their touch point for all things employee facing video and then i have uh two partners one who's more on the well, it's two things. So there's there's a there's a software product that we're developing. So he kind of oversees that. And then he also, uh, he's, he's the safety net, let's put it that way. So like I, I outsource everything, but sometimes when things don't go according to plan, he kind of makes sure that we deliver. Um, so he's kind of like the, yeah, the fallback, the safety net. And then my other partner, he's more on the marketing side for SMBs. So he's got same thing, like two or three flagship clients we're really more like a, a part of a part of our client's team. We work on the creativity with them, and then we we outsource to all kinds of different partners for execution.
1: You mentioned uh, that you right now pretty much all the work and all the video content that you produce is all remote based for you guys was it Was it forced into that because of the pandemic, or were you less remote bef- uh, and were you less remote beforehand
0: so so i'm I'm pretty much fully remote. Um, my, my partner's not like he does, he, his clients are in Montreal and Toronto. Um, mine are in New York and I basically just, uh, yeah, most of it's post. Like I I do coordinate some shoots and stuff with, uh, with different teams depending, but, uh, most of it is, is all post. So just kind of landed that way. And I like the, uh, I like the flexibility. I like being able to do stuff do my job from pretty much anywhere and not be tied to tied down to a specific spot so uh i'm trying to grow this as opposed to uh you know obviously like if if, if a great project came along and we have to i mean i, I did do a couple shoots last year but it was like it's not the money maker really
2: so so you're handling a lot of just the post-production work from your from your clients uh out of new york yeah
0: well it's 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 both it's like it's it's like creative conceptualization, uh, client experience. And then, yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, sometimes they'll have an idea for something and then we'll, we'll work on it together. Other times they have a very specific idea and it's just on, on me to guarantee the delivery by a certain date. Uh, and then other times they, they just have an objective and then I've got to pitch concepts. So yeah, I mean, the, 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 capabilities for execution are like we like a lot of people can do that I, i'm trying to sort of differentiate as a creative expert for employee engagement and this kind of thing
1: so you're kind of like trying to become part of uh, like different companies like marketing teams developing a lot of the pre-production and um and kind of like basically the idea development they kind of film and produce it and then you kind of handle the post side of things in, in that kind of sense Yes and no. I mean, a lot,
0: like we do a lot of animation too. Uh, a lot of CG. Um, we do, uh, there's like a lot of like slideshows, but like elevated slideshows, like I have to, buy like my, my clients are, are like on the, well, high-end fashion and that one is high-end fashion and the other one is, uh, eyewear and eye care. So optical and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's stuff like, um, we have uh, eight people this quarter who are celebrating their twentieth anniversary with the company. We need to make a video for our upcoming town hall that commemorates them, and it has to be different than the last one. And it can't be dry. And you know, we we want to make people feel something. So I have to like continuously find ways to do interesting internal corporate stuff. And sometimes, you know, it's like an event that they that that uh, you know we we work with a team we oversee and coordinate a team that's local and then they shoot it and then they ship everything to us and then same thing
2: what what are your methods for overseeing a remote shoot like what do you what what are some of the key things you're you're thinking of or or watching out for
0: Uh, to be honest it's uh it's just a list of the materials that we need so it's it's teams that it's teams that are used to doing event recaps and stuff so i
2: mean sometimes Oh, oh it's mostly it's mostly event recaps then for like when you're doing
0: remote. Yeah, yeah. If there's a sh- if there's a shoot, yeah. Um and then the other one would be like talking heads. So, you know. So I mean if, if it's a talking head, then sometimes I'll I'll zoom into the into the the actual shoot, but uh and and even like direct remotely. But for event recaps, you can't really do that. So you just kind of,
2: I mean... Events are pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, that's it, exactly. It's just kind of like, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Like, this is what the schedule... I mean, yeah, like the... the, So I don't work with the marketing side. I work with the internal comms side and the employee development and training side. Yeah. So a lot of the videos I do are also like employee training.
1: It's the elevated internal content nowadays. And uh, that's a big part of the video business that a lot of people don't really think of right off the bat when they think video a lot of the time it's social media content promotional material but with a lot of big companies they have a lot of activities that are internal uh, between different team members that they need to communicate things and internal video production is is a big part of uh, the business right
0: yeah the budgets aren't very high like compared to the marketing side because it's not customer facing um but yeah like i mean for a company that's got even like a couple hundred employees like it it it's somewhat worth it, but when you start to talk about companies that have like five to 10 to 50,000 employees, uh, yeah, the it's a big part of it because that's one of the most effective ways that they can engage. It's one of the most effective ways that they can sort of build an affinity with the brand. Uh, retention is a huge part of is a huge issue for a lot of companies these days. Uh, you know, they, there's, they're calling it like the great resignation. This is a couple years old now, but it's like, it's really like a new, it's a new niche. Honestly, like I, I think historically internal corporate videos have been known to be pretty boring and that's kind of like my pitch. It's like, you know, you can do it the boring way, uh, or you can do it the fun interesting way. Uh, you're probably going to want to do it the fun, interesting way, as long as it's cost effective enough. Um, but you know, it's always a question of, again, like it doesn't. It doesn't drive sales. So there's no way to really measure the ROI. It's more just like they're sitting there in the audience and they can see that the the you know people are are responding positively or like it's all, it's based on like positive comments or like I mean, a lot of stuff too is like uh, even things like, oh, this person just left the company. Uh, goodbye, farewell. We're having like a, a farewell dinner, and we're gonna play this video at the dinner. Or it's gonna like re it's gonna be a recap of their entire experience working with the company for the last ten years, and it's gonna be like a parting gift because they want to maintain good relationships with high level execs and other companies, and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, I just kind of f- fell into it honestly. Uh it's just like a person who knew someone that we knew just like needed a little Christmas video for like 700 bucks uh and it was like a 48-hour turnaround and we and their their existing vendor that they had been working with for 15 years just like wasn't available. So they were just like, "Oh, can you edit this thing?" And they they, you know, we obviously because we we are not like a big established New York firm and so they were happy with how above and beyond we went for a simple little Christmas video it was a lot more than they were used to and then uh, they had another little one and so they gave us a chance and so on and so forth and they don't work with that vendor anymore they work exclusively with us and then the same thing happened with the other client yeah yeah the the other client in particular like they used to work with a firm that had like 170 employees and like offices in Santa Monica New York and Dallas and all that yeah it was a yeah and and it was a long like like 10 year long relationship. And that's the thing is like you, you, you know, especially nowadays uh, with with the the playing field becoming as leveled out as,
1: as it's becoming, you always have to find a way to create some kind of wow factor if you can. It's amazing how uh, it's, the industry has gotten to the point now where like a big time agency that has developed long-term relationship with a client can still be under threat of losing out to even uh let's say someone who's remotely working out of their home in uh yeah. montreal where are you based right now montreal montreal yeah just just out of montreal it's like one guy versus a company of like 100 employees it's, it's amazing how level the playing field is nowadays as you put it
0: yeah we're we're three guys with laptops and we just talk and email <laughs> Don't
2: let your clients hear that.
1: Well,
0: the, no, but I tell them, I mean, I tell, like, that's what I say. It's like, I'm just a guy with a laptop and I'm here to make sure that everything goes super smoothly and that we always deliver on time and that it's always cool. Uh, always creative, always, uh, wait, what is it? It's always creative, always responsive, always competitive. Okay. So competitive meaning competitively priced. So it's like the best bang for your buck. That's And the reason is, is because we're super lean and we're designed to... We're designed for internal corporate engagement. That's kind of like what we're built for.
1: That's your niche at this point, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. And so I'm trying to find new clients and uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to just like do direct outreach to clients and try to try to get them to give you a shot.
1: It's because it's like sp- certain departments. What's your biggest hurdle right now with that? The biggest hurdle
0: is, oh, we already, do, we already have a team. We already have a team that does video. And my only argument is like, yeah, but I think I could do a better job. And they're like, what, you think I'm, you think I'm stupid? You think I didn't hire a good team? You think you're so much better? And uh, what, else, what am I supposed to say? You know, yeah. like the, all, the only thing I can say is like, yes, I'm uh, like, we do a better job, but like, yep. that's, that's like, well, okay, well, <laughs> what, like, who do you think you are? You know, like it's, I don't have like, where it's like, I yeah, I, we can do a better job and we do it for these guys pretty much. It's like, I don't know, how do you guys, how do you guys like approach a new client and like differentiate from the the hundreds of thousands of video production companies? It's like,
2: I mean, we don't really do a lot of outreach. It's more inbound leads that come to us at the moment. Yeah. And then by then we just go through our own like pitch that we've developed. Right.
0: That's it. Like, I don't think I've, I don't think we've, I can't, I can't think of more than two instances where we've reached out to someone
1: and it turned into an actual gig. It's like 98% is is just word of mouth. It's like knocking on the door as a salesman, asking, do you need a new vacuum cleaner? You know, most of the time people are going to be like, I have a vacuum cleaner. It's like, yeah, but this is better. Well, that's it. I
2: have one. I don't need to spend the money to change the vacuum because it's, it's like... Well, statistically, you'll get you'll get the... It's just, if you do it like that, it's just a, it's numbers, a numbers game. game at that you need to have someone dedicated to it. That's it. Because, yeah, it'll work. Like out of 100 you'll get like maybe 10 that might be interested in other than maybe like three, but those three will keep you like, they'll give you good numbers in return. So
0: ideally. Yeah. And like, they won't be interested now. They'll be interested in two and a half years, you know? So it's like not only about hitting, like if you're, if you, if you happen to get them at exactly the right time where they're feeling the pain of not having a good vendor for what it is that they have in mind. And you happen to have the portfolio that, that proves that you can pull it off and, but it's just like, it's such a crap shoot. So actually that's why, that's why I think that content marketing is the, is the way to go. I think, I think LinkedIn content, I mean, exactly what you guys are doing, uh, put out content on a regular basis and position yourself as an expert in some kind of niche. And just invite a bunch of people that are your target customer and just invite them on LinkedIn and just keep putting out content.
1: With those internal teams, I found that anytime in the past that Dario and I have worked with a a corporation that's uh, specifically for internal content, it was always either a referral from someone within our network or it was just, and you actually that was pretty much 100% of the time how it was, um, or someone we worked with in the past moved into that company and needed a, a video partner and that's it but that's like one part of it the second part of it is a timing aspect you know it has to be a good transitionary period like how you managed to land that fashion client you mentioned right it just happened to be a timing aspect of when they needed something on a crunch basis someone wasn't available or their previous one wasn't available and then you kind of stepped in so that's that's really the only way to kind of do that right
0: yeah you got to be like a crocodile just kind of like lying in wait and then pounce when there's an opportunity. I mean, I, you see all kinds of gurus that are selling you these systems for, for generating leads and, and build your five-figure video business in four weeks yeah. by using my, three simple techniques. It may be, I, like the way to go, the way that they do it is position your again, a niche, right? So say I, I make videos for early stage startups in the smart city technology space. And, and then you set up your landing page so that you, you know, anyone who is of that profile, who's searching Google for whatever, like you find the right combination of keywords and you find the right message and you try to get like the best click through rate that you can. And then you try to get the landing page with the best conversion and you, you know, like, that's how you do it. But I really like the idea of, uh, being able to leverage your, uh, your creativity not leverage a message that is, uh, you know, we, we only do this kind of video. I, I, it's not really why I got into video. Like, I know I'm saying that I only do internal, internal engagement stuff, but like, it's still like very, still very broad. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there, there are all kinds of different things that you can do. Like it's, it's a niche, but it's, it's broad enough, but a lot of people just like say, okay, we do Kickstarter videos for this kind of product that's the easier way to build a funnel that will generate uh, that will generate consistent leads on your behalf but you kind of have to sacrifice the whole reason why you got into it in the first place a little bit in my opinion anyway
1: yeah cuz you're kind of more so only dealing with one type of content which is that's productized it. in a way and you don't get to deviate too much in terms of like how you're going to produce it because they're looking for that specific type whereas like if you picked uh, a broad niche like say you do only corporate clients or you only do music videos or you only do um as you said internal it's yeah. a type of content but there's still different way different types of content within that that you can kind of get creative That's so it. you offer different types of solutions and things like that
0: but then you're but then your SEO is not going to be as good cuz it's too broad you know so it's so it's like you you sacrifice you sacrifice the the whole point of of kind of like branding your, I mean, I suppose what you could do is create like four or five different funnels. So you could look at the, the you could look at your own portfolio and say, okay, well, we tend to do this kind of work. Now let's, let's create a, uh, let's create a, an SEO funnel or whatever for, for this and let's do and so on and so forth. And, and then I guess it all leads back to like your core website. You'd have like multiple landing pages, multiple websites essentially. And you kind of Most put. people
2: a, do, they do it with, they do it with cities. Like I see it all the time, like. Video production Toronto, Video Production Montreal, all these different cities, and then it always leads just to one website and they're based in like
1: Hong Kong. Does Does that work? Does that work though in terms of uh
2: like getting those leads? Do you know if they rank? So I guess it does work, Carol.
0: Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's it. It's like if if I mean I see so many ads for so much shit that I'm I can't believe that this ad is still running. It's I've I've seen it running for like six weeks now, eight weeks. How can they afford to run this ad with with such a generic offering or such a like obviously i don't know but there's if it's if it's there if they're spending on ad spend, they must get some kind of r o i like it's you know unless yeah. yeah so i don't know
2: have you have you checked that you mentioned those sales gurus have you like checked out any of other stuff
0: yeah 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 um there's like most of it is most of it is geared towards people that are just starting up. So it's, or, or people that are just, I mean, yeah, like uh, having a video production business is is really tough. Like you, first of all, you have to be able to make good videos (laughs) and tell a good story, but then there's the whole other side of it, which is like the, the client relations side and the client development side. And like, just a lot of people aren't that good at doing that. So that's what they do. They, they, they say, Hey, are you having a hard time making money? I did so-and-so project for X client and I'm going to tell you, Oh yeah. And here are all these testimonials of, of my students. And this is. This is the process and they're good. I mean, that's, that's how you do it. Like that, that is how you do it. It's just like, that's not what I got into it for. I didn't, I didn't get into it to productize.
1: The funny thing though, is that they all, they all say it with like the same kind of uh hook to kind of get people's attention. And I guess it does work, uh, which is, are you only making like a thousand dollars per video project? Here's how you can make $30,000 plus a month at a minimum, yeah. right? And that's it,
0: retainer. Get your clients on retainer. The
1: 0 to 100 uh 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 marketing tactic, right? Yeah,
0: well, yeah, what is it? It's uh full-time filmmaker is the big one. With uh I forget his
1: name. Which one's that guy? You know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He worked with this other uh creator back uh, back in like the early 2010s and that's where he kind of like built his like knowledge and then I guess a few years back he started that full-time filmmaker thing and I think that one is definitely the the biggest one, biggest resource out there. And they have a lot of marketing money it's behind huge. it. Yeah. It's like an academy. We
2: had Ryan Corell on the last episode. Uh, I forget his company.
1: Grow Your Video Business.
2: Grow Your Video Business.
1: And uh, it's something similar to that. But he also does a podcast show similar in a way, kind of like to what we do, but he's by himself. So if you're also yeah. curious about another format, just with one person, maybe if you want, you could check him out as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, did you just record the episode, or did you just release it? We just record.
2: Uh, we just we recorded it last week, so it'll be another week or so before it's released.
1: Yeah. So how often do you guys do this? Uh,
2: infrequently. Like
1: it's it depends on uh, on how how many people we get lined up, but uh, sometimes we get like one, we try to do it on a weekly basis. Have like maybe one guest per week um we've been uh thinking about maybe trying to do maybe more than that here and there but it really depends on how busy we are who's available who we've gotten in touch with and we're yeah. trying to we're trying to reach out to people in different
2: countries too now so
0: like what percentage reach out to you to be on like i reached out to you to be on
2: as of now one percent you are you serious <laughs> yeah yeah what is it with people like but that's the other thing no but actually like that. Uh, I always find it funny when when I outreach and some of them say no. And I'm like, it's free.
0: Yeah, it's free. Yeah, exactly. It's free. It's free marketing material. It's a cool experience. Like why I yeah, people don't help themselves either. Like I I don't wanna I don't like I I don't wanna be like pretentious, but I'll I'll just say it. Like on my on my bio it says like right at the top, like preferred partner to Louis Vuitton across the Americas. And I add video post production editors and motion designers. Like I, I I invite them to like join my network. And they, they ignore me. Like they go on my page and they don't accept my invite. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm looking for people to hire. I'm looking to build like, why wouldn't you accept the LinkedIn invite? Like what, what do you think it's fake? Or like, what's the, what's the, I don't Yeah. People don't help themselves. And like, I guess it depends.
1: I it, Honestly, I think it depends. Sometimes people might be either thinking like, oh, this isn't the type of work that i want to do so I, I i don't see any value in it or like in our case when when we reach out to guests to join onto the show i think it's i i think it's probably just a, a simple thing where it's just like they're not interested in it or they might not be comfortable talking about their story on camera as well like it, i i think dario you and i have like jokes like oh maybe they have something to hide you know <laughs> That's yeah I was like, <laughs> well, they I was
2: like I was like what shady thing are you what now? what are is your connected? shady business yeah. practice
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well, a lot of actually in Montreal, a lot of companies started off with some pretty shady kind of content,
2: really there's quite
0: a few studio yeah, there's quite a few studios
2: Stor- here story time
0: well, just uh like um adult content. A lot of lot of studios that have. Oh, all, I was thinking like mafia
2: related stuff. Oh, I don't maf- know why. I ma- don't oh, no know mafia related stuff too. The, <laughs> oh, those wow. two
0: things are completely intertwined. Oh yeah, I, I there's a there's so a any couple videos
2: st- for like the construction business that was like yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's but uh, I mean,
0: like I even know some people that are super open about it. They're like, yeah, we got we got started doing this kind of content, and we built up our studio. We were able to afford all kinds of cool gear, and then we leveraged that gear to move over into another kind of. Another kind of video, yeah.
2: Everyone, everyone we know started out on weddings. No one, no one yeah. we know started out on OnlyFans Yeah, and moved right. on from yeah. <laughs> What yeah. is this like a Montreal Only trend or something? Because we've never heard it about must, this before. Now,
0: really, it might be because you know MindGeek. Um, that's funny. that We're talking about this on your podcast, but so MindGeek is the. They own and control about ninety percent of pornographic content in in North America, and it's a Montreal oh, it's really? a Montreal based company. There's like a thousand five hundred employees down the street that like work oh, in wow. this in this firm, and so there's just a lot of that. There is just a lot of that here, um, and so you've got all kinds of companies that kind of work for them or know them.
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> Well, that's like an
1: entirely different world there. Like, yeah, like
0: <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's
1: just funny because like.
0: Like, I even see some people who, like, put it on their LinkedIn. Like, it's, like, video editor at MindGeek.
1: Yeah. Or, like, uh, yeah. Well, when you think about it, like, when people put that kind of stuff on, on LinkedIn, like, when you say video editor at MindGeek, that's not the first thing that you
2: think their business is going to be about when you think about it. Thank God they named it MindGeek because it's very... I You know what I was thinking when you... When some tech you company. Said that? I was thinking Geek Squad. <laughs> of course, at, yeah. Geek Squad at, at the yeah. Best Buy. I'm like, oh, okay, it must be Geek Squad or whatever. Nope. It's a different type of geek. They're very
0: crafty, different type of mind, different type of geek. So yeah, it's uh, anyway, but I I just, it reminds me of a few conversations that I've had. And then also, yeah, of course, like there's, you know, mob kids who get these great opportunities just like right out the gate because...
2: AJ Soprano.
1: (laughs) AJ Soprano. Oh my God. Imagine, it's like, it's like... And I was like, Dad, I wanted to start a video production company, you know?
2: Then they go rob the rental houses.
1: There was actually this like string of, um, a string of like thefts that have been happening in Toronto where a lot of different rental companies have been targeted by like the same people and have all been, well, kind of robbed, but it was mostly like you could tell it was like a sabotage thing. And, um, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing that's happening here right now. I wonder what the next place is going to be hit.
0: Well, there's insurance.
1: They got he, for that, right?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, I'm saying like if, if you have a bunch of equipment and anyway, that's, well, that's, that's what it is, right? It's like you, you run the rental house and then someone comes and robs your rental house and then you make a claim with the insurance, but really like you're in on it with your, it might be something like that also.
2: No, no, no! They've been doing it. They've been doing it to to too many people. It's it's definitely not that.
0: Really, just like like gear thieves.
2: Yeah, it's it yeah, yeah, it's like they they're targeting
1: one after the yeah. other. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That that could maybe have been the case if it was just like a single production company, but seven production, seven rental houses. Yeah, and the funny thing is, the same people's faces are on every single camera. So
2: it's not like their identities are. Or hidden or anything like that. but
1: Oh, wow. Okay, so they're like
0: fugitives on the run.
2: I don't know about that. It's Canada. Even if they get caught, they'll be out by like 9 a.m. the next yeah. day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we have like the weakest laws in the world.
0: I was just going to say about insurance claims. Have you guys ever had to do an insurance claim?
2: No, God forbid. God forbid not. Fortunately not, yeah. Why have you?
0: Yeah, well, I told you I'm like not a gear guy. But I, I
2: do like operate
0: sometimes. So when we were... This was back in the day where we were in Nicaragua for like... Not even like a paid project. It was like a, we got like we got like the the travel and the accommodations covered for us in exchange for like you know. So, but anyway, I had my C three hundred Mark two, and I wanted to get a shot that was like really close to the water, (laughs) (laughs) and and I waved (laughs) it, top handle. Yeah, exactly, top handle, and I was like, oh, this is so epic. You know, the closer you get to the horizon, (laughs) the more the more dramatic it is. And yeah, there's just this huge, huge, like a rogue wave, not a rogue wave, just a wave.
1: It's just like it's it's not even a wave, and it just it just came and it was like. like yeah, it's like it's like a little raise. Yeah, exactly. It was just bloop. I was like, yeah, and it's just like, and that was it. When I traveled, I had uh my like my DSLRs, and I've and I've done the same thing, similar. I never got caught by that wave, but I've seen them coming, and then I would raise it, and it would be like a. It's like a little splash almost. It's not even a wave. It's like a little extra splash that just catches the camera like this. But with a C300, oh that's brutal,
0: yeah, and it's salt water, and it, so it was just, it was oh. the worst part of it, yeah, it's salt water. It, the worst part of it was that it was like early in the week too, so we just like,
2: <laughs> what do you do now? Whatever <laughs> like
0: a So I think it was like a son uh, whatever a sony um, A7S Yeah, it's A7 it's like a bad one, like one, not the not the good one. the it was just like a backup. so we ended up just shooting, yeah, we just shot
2: the whole thing like that, and yet had something
0: yeah, we had something, but like nobody was happy.:
2: I hope you had like 30 batteries for the trip. yeah <laughs> why because they because they run out quick. It definitely wasn't the third one, so it must have been either one or two, and the battery life on those stunk. yeah, they were terrible like they, they you would needed at least
1: like eight to ten batteries a day just to just to
2: just to get through the day, and you'd have to keep like charging them as soon as they die I go back in the charger. they were so little, they were like this big. <laughs> I was not handling that camera.
0: At all, I was not allowed to go anywhere near that camera. That was (laughs) that was was our final remaining camera. So, and as it turns out, where we were was the air was so salty that it eroded. Like, uh, so it's a known thing where in that area, like electronics just get eroded with the salty air. So, really, yeah. So it turns out that like, had we had the camera there the whole time, by the end of the week and a half, it would have severely damaged the camera. Like, probably not. Probably not to the point where it wasn't working anymore, but it would have definitely like made it a lot more like rusty and like you'd not rely. Let's put it that way. So, so the fact that it, we just went ahead and just like broke it means that we, we were able to get like a brand new one. I mean, the the deductible was like a thousand five hundred bucks or whatever. So obviously that was terrible.
2: But it's not too bad for a Mark II though. That's pretty good.
0: No, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It was like a it was like a nine nine thousand dollar repair.
1: What what year was this? What year was this?
0: This was uh, four years ago now.
1: Yeah, Mark II, I think was still was still uh, there. I don't think the Mark III of that camera came out at that point. But no, that's it. Isn't it a
2: documentary camera? Shouldn't it have been able to withstand like salty air.
0: That's what I. That's what you'd think, right? But apparently, it's yeah. It's just maybe uh, it's just method. the
2: materials.
1: Like some materials, like maybe like the handles. No, it's the internal circuitry. It's the
0: internal circuitry. It's oh. like all the electronics get arrested. it's. It's known for that. It's like the when we arrived there, they were like, "Yeah, your electronics are are screwed." you like, we didn't know until we arrived. So, like, a lot of our stuff got all screwed up. Yeah. the cr- Crazy the things you have to think about, huh? Oh, yeah. Or like, you can, o- you can only know after having gone through it. Like, no Thank one's... Yeah, th- we just do corporate.
2: <laughs> yeah. We don't have to worry about going to Nicaragua, yeah. like, on a river.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that was an amazing experience. Like, that was also, like... That was also... I mean, we didn't get paid, but, like, we...
2: Well, you learned. I mean, we ended up... It ended
0: up costing 1500 bucks. And, honestly, like, the project didn't go anywhere either. Like, we didn't even... Like, the we we finished it and, like no one no one really cared about it like it was just like
1: join join the club
0: it was a non-results yeah
1: that sometimes happens but you know at the very least what you were in Nicaragua for a week you at least got to enjoy a little bit right
0: yeah it was fun well it was like a hostel so it was like a it was called the free spirit hostel so it was like a very like hippie kind of free spirited kind of experience
2: I'm curious was it was it by any chance owned by a Canadian yes yes owned by a Okay, my buddy was talking about how he did a big Mexico trip, and then he went to some other surrounding countries like Belize and whatever. Yeah, and it was like all the hostels are owned by Canadians. Yeah, what? So yeah, he was trying to pitch to the group like, let's do, ju- let's just pool like 120k together, just buy a hostel down there. That's what they did, and they're just <laughs> As an investment. Property. Yeah, and they're doing great. It's like all it, Canadians that own them. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it just uh, they live there, and it, their whole cost is covered. Plus, plus they they make money, and they just like hang out on the beach and serve drinks and they cook a meal per day and that's their, that's their life <laughs> a meal per day. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, that's part of the experience you get. Like everyone's like, everyone sits around the table and we all eat together.
1: Jeremy, one thing I, I wanted to also quickly touch upon was um, because you do a lot of your projects remotely and you're dealing with clients in the U S essentially um, or even in other cases, how do you go about vetting other crew and team members when you're, when you're, um, When you're kind of like trying to work on a certain project, because since you're remote, you have to rely on other people to kind of execute the production for you. Right. So how do you go about that?
0: The production and the post-production. Right. So, I mean, to be honest, um, these companies have, they have their list of vendors most of the time. So often we're just working with the vendor. If not, then it's just a gut feeling. You 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 know you search on online, you look at the website, you talk to a few people, and you just kind of make a gamble. Um, so far, it's been uh, it's been okay. But yeah, there's there's not really yeah there's not really much you can do. But I mean, even even people that we've been working with for like four or five years, they screw up sometimes. They forget the battery. They didn't you know they forgot the. Uh, what happens so often is, uh, oh shit, I don't have any media. Forgot the media and the card reader at home. Really? That happens. That happens. Like, yeah, it happens way too often. Yeah, and then everyone's the
2: the uh, the Wait, cards the me- like the the cards they forgot their cards. yeah yeah and that happens so often it, just, pff, oh, okay. it
0: boggles my mind. But like that this this keeps happening. It's like missing a cable, missing this, missing that. Oh crap, we can't do this. I
2: can understand a cable, but the card. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that doesn't
0: happen to you guys. Well, that's good. <laughs> so I know that if we're doing shoots in Toronto, then I'll I'll know that. You guys have a perfect track record with not forgetting yeah. <laughs> the
2: cards, at least. You gotta have the cards. Now, now, now
1: we're gonna be. Now we're gonna. Daria and I are gonna have to be like double checking like lists with our team. Now it's like okay, make sure everything. There's your niche on the landing page. You just like you reliable. say, like, we
0: do not for yeah, exactly. We don't forget our media.
1: That's interesting. I mean, like sometimes like a cable might be forgotten, but then you're able to figure out solutions on on set to yeah, as if yeah, it's not yeah. a big deal. But t- memory cards, that is. That I've never seen happen with anyone we've worked with.
2: I have a question on the, uh, like a more technical question in terms of like, okay, you're dealing with a U.S. client. What's your uh, financial process for that? Like, do you have like a U.S. account set up? We should. Like, TD or whatever We and should just have them pay? We, oh, so you have them convert. Like, what do you do? You get like, let's say a thousand U.S. from them. You just... Go to your bank and they just convert it over there. Like, how does that work? Yeah,
0: it's. I I just we spoke to our accountants earlier this year, and I'm switching the way we're doing things. We're we're gonna start working. Uh, we're gonna start using uh, Wise because TD is just. Uh, I <laughs> I, it, I I it made me sick to know how much we lost on uh, conversion fees. Forex. Forex. Oh, uh, what is it? Foreign exchange. Oh yes, 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 yeah. Uh, it it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because basically, like we, yeah, like it, he told us the figure that ha- if we had been using wise and not be, not not going with TD, he gave us the figure of what we would have saved over the last two years. Yeah, and it, it was it was a it was a it was a full time salary for somebody for for a year. Oh yeah, my it was God. it was it was it was in the the lower the lower mid five figure range of just a purely of um, of uh, transaction fees. Yeah. No, just transaction fees. Just like yeah, exactly. Forex. Wow. Yeah. So uh, why don't you it,
2: open up a U.S. account? And then you could just pull the money out, and then maybe go to a, a foreign currency exchange place and just. So apparently, the the, the
0: good setup is Wise. Apparently. So WISE? Which which Yeah. Is WISE? So the the Wise is uh is just like an internet... It's a fintech. Uh, it's like a new fintech thing that's just um, uh, essentially. I mean, it's for it's for foreign transactions, mm-hmm. and or it's a it's a it's a bank account pretty much um so cuz that's the thing is like there are, so apparently there's like the 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 four the exchange rates that the banks charge and then there's the actual exchange rate right yeah. so mm-hmm. the bank charges you a certain amount then then that's the difference and that's their margin so wise basically just like cuts out like 95% of that and that's their so they give you they'll still take a little bit but it's like way way less that's that's literally all it is and so apparently it's becoming, but the problem is, is that because it's a new, it's a new platform, like it's not super reliable. Like I've heard some pretty bad things about it, Ooh. but, but, um
2: you know, if the amount, if the amount they're sending you is pretty high, like, uh, I don't know, over 20, 50 K, then you can actually ask the bank to give you a better rate on it. Yeah. You mean like reach out? Yeah, probably. So you can tell like, Well, I remember when I was working as a teller at CIBC, like they made like one of the guys that get a better rate. So I had to call corporate and then, or one of the foreign exchange guys, and they gave me a better rate for the guy. Mm. But it it can't be like a thousand bucks, 5,000. It's got to be like a sizable amount. Yeah.
0: So actually like, so we do a very high volume of lower budget projects. That's, that's actually the thing. Like it's very rare that I get into the, I mean. It's very rare that I get into uh, the, uh, let's say like the mid five figures. Like I'd say that doesn't happen often. Like uh, if if I get into the five figures, like I'm pretty happy, honestly.
2: Well, then you might as well just open up a US uh, bank account and then just do it through there.
0: We're working on it. It's like, it's not really like, it's not really me who looks after this. So we, we just started up with some new accountants like two years ago and like, it was such a hassle to like switch everything over. Apparently we'd been doing everything wrong for years. And so we had to like fix all of that and like backtrack over the last three years. So like So then now this year we just found, you know, I I started thinking about how to expense more through the company as opposed to paying, you know, higher salaries. And because there's, I mean, uh, what do you guys do uh, uh, or how do you approach expensing through your company? Like there's all kinds of stuff. Like I, like my home, my, I work out of my, my, my apartment, for example. So I was not expensing my rent and I should have been so. There's just I'm, it's a learning curve. So the the first step was to like actually do the books properly. Second is to start to actually benefit from owning your own business in Canada, and then now the next thing will be to optimize how we're dealing with foreign payments. So that'll probably be uh, once we, we just finish tax season now. So that'll be the next step. So either we'll do a U.S. bank account, or I think I think Wise is gonna be the is gonna be the solution.
1: Yeah, because we we're we're having like some projects that. Um... That might be involved with like different countries uh coming up soon and that's something that dara and i are trying to kind of figure out and
2: try to set up soon oh actually on that note on that sorry Kirill, on that note i have another question for you um if your client is in the u.s are you still charging them uh is it 13 percent tax they have in quebec what do they have
0: no u.s clients you don't charge tax you don't charge tax no. right no you don't okay. charge tax yeah you don't charge tax and you don't uh you don't uh, pay tax on you on uh, revenues that come from American clients.
2: What about from other countries, like let's say the UK?
0: I don't know. I don't know.
2: You, you haven't gotten to that point yet.
0: No, I haven't. I'm actually really focused on North America because it turns out that North America is is the only place that really values employee engagement. I've, really? Uh, like I've 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 talked. I've tried to you know expand a little bit, and and it doesn't seem like it's nearly as much of a thing. I guess. North Americans are more uh, entitled than most or I don't know what it is, but uh, it seems to be like, like staying with the company, getting employees to stay with the company and to be motivated. Seems to be a maybe it's because we don't take very many vacations as opposed to Europe.
2: Yeah, they get like three months in Europe. They don't need to do, give them anything else. They have enough rights and benefits over there.
1: Well, that's it, right? So, like, I'm actually like I'm like North America focused, really. Well, it's also because most of the a lot of the headquarters for a lot of major companies are are based in North America. At least a good majority of them. And if there are any in other countries, it's probably with like more local local teams like I mean like if you were going to like say France Germany or or any of those countries in Europe for example those are smaller based markets right there's only so much external that they can bring in um whereas like there are companies in the U.S. that are uh headquartered there but they have offices all over the world in all these other countries too so it's that's probably why there's a lot more of a focus on employee and talent acquisition and engagement in North America
0: yeah it's somewhat. I mean, actually both, both my clients, their, their head offices are, are in Paris and Milan. Oh right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I actually, know I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to say that it's really, it's because I think just cause North Americans just like work a lot more hours and we're, are less healthy in general, uh, when it comes less to benefits. our our culture around work and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the pressures are higher. So Like, uh, cause I've tried to, they, they don't like the, what, like the New York office does a lot of stuff that the Paris office just doesn't do. They, they think it's like, they think it's ridiculous. Like you, it's, it's, it's crazy to us that you guys do that. Yeah, but the but the New York
1: offices love it. You know why? Because you got to make you got to make the employees happy that they're working so much. You know, it's like oh, we appreciate that's you. it. We appreciate yeah, you guys going overtime
2: and missing out on family occasions. Anything but actually improving. <laughs> anything but actually improving the situation. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. No, but but that's kind of that's kind of the thing. It's just like it's the it's the culture. Yeah. So because I've tried to you know I've tried to. I've tried to push that angle of like, hey, like, you know, it's working really well here. Like, why don't we go global? Like, we can, we can do translation. We can do all <laughs> kinds of things. And uh, they're just like, yeah, I brought it up. And like, absolutely not. Not going to happen. So, and like, I've also like spoken to some people that are based in like Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and they're just like, huh? Employee, employee engagement? Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. 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 They're just, it's not even, it's not a, it's like not even an option. So I'm just, I kind of gave up on that, on that track.
1: Was that a conversation over, over like like this, over like a, like say a zoom call or was it through email where they're like, huh? (laughs) No, no. It's uh. so my, my dad has some
0: Lebanese friends. So I actually went over to Lebanon a, a few months back and I just, I, you know, met with some, met some people that are in they're you know they're either like high level consultants or like they they run companies or whatever. They're back and forth like around the Arab world, just like doing all kinds of whatever it is that they do. But uh, <laughs> when I when they would a, when they would ask me like what do you do, I was just like I do employee engagement content. What is that? And it's stuff like this. They're like, huh. So, uh, good, uh, good
2: falafel. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> how that conversation went. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. how about the meds? Yeah.
1: You got to show them the cool stuff, you know, like the, the high, high end event videos and everything. That's I what you got to show. I showed them
0: the cool stuff. I showed them the, I, I, trust me, I dropped the, the coolest ammo and they're just like, that's <laughs> cool. But what, a, yeah. Anyway.
1: So I don't. You know. lost them at employee engagement. That's what it was. Anything else after that? They're like, no, exactly. no You've already that's lost. It. Me. Like,
0: no. Let's let's talk about the food or something. So that's that. But uh, you know, I mean, it's it's like my my dream is not this. Like my dream is to you know I always wanted to do uh, uh, I w- always wanted to direct TV shows. Like I I got into TV shows and movies. Like I got I you know I got into this kind of thing because I first saw uh, the making of documentary of Pirates of the Caribbean when I was like 11, right? You know, you know, when the DVDs started coming out with those behind the scenes featurettes, I feel like that inspired a whole wave of people who wanted to make movies, is when those DVDs came out with the behind the scenes featurettes and people actually saw the process behind movies. I think there's just a lot of people uh, in our age group that just kind of got bitten by the bug at you know, the age of like 10, 11, 12 or whatever. And uh, that's always what I wanted to get into it for. Like I even, I even moved to LA for a year and a half and uh, tried to because uh, I I did my school in the in the states, so I had like a, a year of uh, of a student visa, and I moved out there and I I wanted to be like in in that entertainment world and uh, obviously like my my visa expired I wasn't able to stick around and I'm happy I didn't but I'm still kind of I'm still kind of going after it. like I'm still developing entertainment IPs on the side when I can and and trying to put like a a bit of a portfolio together. And then when, when I have a slate of projects, then I'll start to invest in actually going to these events and film festivals and markets and stuff and try, because I think you got to do it for a couple of years consistently. So you got to, you got to travel to all the, all of the places and meet people and so on and so forth uh f- and then and then uh maybe something will happen at some point but you can't just go once you get that world is so different
2: from very ours. different
0: yeah so different
1: i did see um like when i was looking at some of the uh, some of your work and like i think i came across this on like facebook like a bts shot of uh this entire team that you guys had where you guys shot an entire feature film but you did it all remotely in a way Like, uh, was that the case or was there another story behind that?
0: So, so when I say like, I'm fully remote, like that's pretty recent. Um, it's only since COVID started and, and and this is kind of like my, this is, this is the, the way that I make money. Right. But, but we, when we started out, we were doing like, we were doing all kinds of local shoots and I mean, my partner still does local shoots. But I, I guess maybe you saw a, a shot from, like, we have, I have done features in the past and I have done, uh, I we did a TV pilot uh, where we got all kinds of gear uh, sponsorships and we, you know, it was like a three and a half week shoot and it was, it was, we, we were working with actor, actors and everything. We, I was pursuing that very adamantly early on. Like, uh, like I, I produced and directed my first feature when I was 20. Oh, wow. And And uh, took it, did the full film festival circuit and, you know, submitted to 50 and only got into four and none of them were really that relevant. And I I, like, I learned, I did learn a lot about that side of the business, but um, yeah, just, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just really, really hard to break into. Make money out of it. <clears throat> That's it. Right. It's like, so you have to either you go and you work in that field, but I find that if you work in the field, like you there's a lot of chance that you just kind of like plateau, like you, you know, you, you forever in assistance kind of thing. Like when I was out there, I, I met so many, you know, people in the early forties, mid forties that were still at assistance desks, like trying to push different projects and like, it's very much a crapshoot. So that's why I said, like, uh, you know, I'll come back here. Like, I'll build a production infrastructure. Like, I'll kind of like build the ladder instead, and we'll develop projects on the side, and then and then we'll try to do the whole like financing, distribution thing, and like do the production and the and the development. And yeah, but it's like a long, it's a long, long road. Like, I like when I was twenty four, I left, I I left and started the thing Rubicon, with the the idea that I was going to put ten years into it just, just like put my head down and just like hustle and see how far I can go in 10 years. And then I'll kind of like reevaluate if this is the right, this is the right path. But like it, 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 yeah, it's just, uh, the entertainment industry is a marathon for sure. Uh, and I'm certainly not going about it in the way that most people go about it. So fingers crossed, hope that it pays off, but at least, at least also building a business that does like, you know, this, this more like client-based work. So, and it, it, it overlaps, you know, like you, it's, if you want to make a short um it helps to have worked with all kinds of professionals uh you know for the last 4 or 5 years like you you know you you can get good people on your project and you can make something really good for not very expensive because you have all these cool relationships right so there is overlap where there is no overlap is the is the uh, financing and distribution side that's there's no overlap at all
1: that's like an entire business uh, in terms of like how you how you go about that it's it's not even like the creation of the the product necessarily it's like how do you get that in front of eyeballs what uh who do you have to grease to get into those uh, film festivals and everything right yeah exactly but at this point like it's kind of like what Dario and I are right now aiming to do is like build build our own business a good foundation and base where where you know like there's consistent work coming in network with a lot of different creatives and other professionals such as yourself and and grow a network and see what opportunities come down the road and yeah that's that's really the the modern way to go about it now, I guess, in a way. I think so. I, I, I really
0: love the concept of like two to five person teams that trust one another and grow together. And, and you know, like, because I, like, if you're just on your own, you're not really, like people kind of glorify the whole freelancer approach to career, but uh, because you have that freedom, but it's like, you can't really like say no to your client. Like if you're, if you're busy and you, and you pass like once, even like they may not come back, and so like you're kind of like a slave to the yes a little bit. And then on the other side, it's like going and working for a bigger firm. Like you don't have the autonomy, and you don't really, um, you know, you got to do what your employer asks of you. But what you guys are doing and what we're
1: doing, this, I, how many full time are you? We're just the two of us, and then we oh, we hired the rest. I was gonna ask you how you you have a team of five people, right, or was it three? So so we're three uh producers like two two kind of client facing producers
0: and one um back you know like safety net guy then there's a, there's another side of our business which is the software product that we're developing and and so we hired two developers uh about a year and a half ago and now one of them is down to part time because they've kind of completed uh, their tasks or you know we just don't need them as much so we have we have one full time and one part time who are for software developers, so they're not making any money right now. They're just costing money. Um, but we're we're going to be taking our product to market pretty soon, and then we'll see how that goes.
1: What what kind of product is is this? Uh...
0: So it's it's a it's a client, um, a client experience uh, toolkit, pretty much. So for for professional video creators. So the the idea is. The idea basically is that especially now that the playing field is leveling out with all kinds of I mean, you know, remote work, AI tools, all this kind of stuff, um, the relationships that you're able to build with your clients and the the trust that you're able to build and the essentially, you know, like uh, like in Mad Men, right? It's like you 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 bring someone into the corner the corner conference room overlooking New York and you like you hand them a glass of scotch and you give them a cigar and then like you you know, you make them feel good, right? That's a big part of our business is just like making clients feel good and making clients like building that trust. Right. But remotely it's not the same, right? Like when you think about the tools that you use to interface with clients, like, um, uh, you know, just like the standard media sharing portals, uh, proposal templates, uh, uh you know, whatever it might be, those tools are, they're kind of like blank canvas tools. They're not, they're, they're designed to be used by a lot of different people for a lot of different things, but they're not like specific, they're not purpose-built or specifically focused. Uh, they're not designed to make it easier for uh, video professionals to communicate their vision, their pricing, their process in a, in a kind of seamless way with an elevated client experience, like through, through an elevated client experience. So it's, it's kind of like, how do you get the Mad Men effect, but remote? through just, just by kind of like improving the way that you communicate and, uh, deliver client experience around, around your project, all the way from like the first touch point to the very end and so on and so forth. So we bring a lot of different, it's just like, it's like a lot of different gadgets that we kind of, it's like a, like a Swiss army knife a little bit, like with all kinds of interconnected gadgets that, that help you avoid all kinds of, uh, issues around misalignment, miscommunication, um, these kinds of things, because I just felt, I felt like. There was a lot of stuff that I wanted to be able to do and a lot of ways that I wanted to be able to communicate that I couldn't using the existing tools. So that's where the idea came from. And then, uh, you know, we, we put some figmas together. We did about 75 customer interviews. We kind of honed in on what features people thought were particularly innovative or, or, uh, or could be potentially useful. And we believed in it enough to to start developing the thing. So we actually raised money from. Uh, well, we got a bunch of public financing for it. And uh, yeah, it's I've been working on this thing for like two and a half years now.
1: I'm sure this will be like a, a, a useful tool for a lot of like creators, especially people who are just trying to kind of learn the business side of things. So, I mean, yeah, like we'll look forward to seeing it uh, as it comes out.
0: Yeah, it's a client. It's it's for client facing. Yeah, basically, it's
1: yeah. A, it's a client experience toolkit. Yeah, exactly. So
0: and you know i've been using it myself uh for the last 6 months like it's buggy and it's like so, you know we're we're getting it to the point where it's ready to take to market but it's like uh yeah it's uh, I've i've made i've made more money just in the way that i'm able to present things
1: yeah it's all it's all client experience and if and and that's essentially what we're all doing like anytime uh, dario or myself like jump on a call with a client you know that is an experience touch point with a client or anyone that you're working with you have to make it good and You know, you got to try to use and find other tools that can help you, but no, that's, that's cool. We'll see, uh, looking forward to seeing the finished uh, product.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how it, how it, how people respond for sure. Uh, it's been, I've been kind of, we've been building it according to what we want. It's not really the way you're supposed to go about it. You're supposed to just, you're supposed to make something and then iterate based on customer feedback, but... Uh,
1: it's it's a long process. It does, you can't get it done all at once. It's like you launch and then you improve over time, but...
0: That's it. So that's where the two other employees
1: are. Nice. Yeah. Nimble teams are, are really uh, the way to go when you're starting out. So that's, uh, it makes sense. Well, I, I mean, I like even just the idea of um,
0: having full-time employees in your studio, I'm... I really like the idea of two to five person teams, many different two to five person teams, and, uh, they're all kind of like interconnected in a smart way and, and smart collaboration. Uh, that's all tech enabled. I think that's really the future. Uh, I think big firms are not really the, it, you're I, the, I think it just costs a lot more to get the same level of innovation and dedication and care, um, And I understand why big firms exist. It's because it's because of trust, right? So it's like it's once you once you earn the trust, then you get more opportunities, and then you you get to build trust more and more as 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 the opportunities that you've gotten then allow you to attract new opportunities and so on and so forth. And eventually, uh, these opportunities all kind of consolidate around a few, right? It's like it's like ninety percent of the budget goes to like ten percent of the of the agencies. And like ninety percent of the spend goes to ten percent of the agencies, it's because it's because the stakes get high and the and and there's only a certain amount of firms that have the trust, right? So I understand why it is the way it is. Uh, but I think given what's possible now with platforms and everything, I, I feel like I mean, just yeah, there's a lot of there's a huge boom in solopreneurship and you know, and and everybody's able to become an expert in their own. Their own niche or their own field, and everyone's able to produce content and get it out there and and so I'm hoping that more and more the opportunity distribution becomes a little bit more democratized yeah and uh I guess I think you get more out of creative people when they have some kind of ownership in the uh they have like an ownership stake in
1: in the in their own brand right things will change over time, but you know like it we'll see kind of where it goes but Anyways, we're we're actually kind of hitting the one hour mark already at this point, Jeremy. So there's just one last one last question was, how did you come up with the name Rubicon's story? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you.
0: So the the okay, so it's based on the uh, it's based on a story from antiquity. So there was a moment where Caesar was kind of uh, while well, he was off, you know, conquering all the barbarians and stuff, and then at, at one point Rome started to sort of collapse in a pool of debauchery and so he brought part of his army back and the idea was to purge the purge the city and uh kind of clean up basically so it's just this like big like internal massacre of his own of his own people and there's a very famous moment where uh his army was crossing the rubicon river which is a very small little nothing river but as they were crossing the river he famously said the die is cast the die is cast means we've passed the point of no return we've committed to doing this and there's no going back and come hell or high water we will see this through and so that really that that's what the idea of rubicon i mean and the rubicon story is a known story like this this the, the rubicon means to pass the point of no return So I believe that if you're going to be successful in this industry, you cannot have a plan B, you have to have nothing but a plan A and, uh, you need to be ready to put yourself in a situation where you're really feeling the pressure because otherwise, uh, you will not, uh, have the fortitude to break through the barriers and actually reach the promised land. So one of the, one, one person who I really look up to is Shonda Rhimes and Shonda Rhimes Basically, she said, if there's anything else that you even kind of want to
1: do, do that. Yeah. So just focus on the one goal and then that's it, right? Yeah.
0: And, and, and even if you, like, even if you kind of are interested in something else, uh, that means that you don't have what it takes to actually make it in this thing. You have to be laser focused, nothing else is an option. And, you know, don't give up because you have nowhere else to go. And I, I like that. Of course, it's, 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 uh, it's extreme. So uh, I'm not saying that practically speaking this is, you know, this is the right way for everybody, but there's something to be said about that deep 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 commitment and not giving yourself an out, you know, that cutting ties
1: to it. It's the idea behind it which is interesting, so Cool. Thanks for sharing. So that's Rubicon. Like yeah, that's awesome. That's man. it. Nice. Yeah. Well, Jeremy. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the show, man. That's been great.
0: Of course. Thanks so much for having me, and it was really, really nice to meet you guys. And also, I, I, you know, I'm gonna keep uh, engaging with what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. And uh, I would love to, you know, have an opportunity to work together at some point. I'm always kind of keeping my uh, ear to the to the floor for opportunities to work with uh, with people and I think you guys would be pretty high on the list, let's put it that way because I Just keep it on your head. Yeah. <laughs> I think anyway, it just it's cool like I, I I I love it when people uh take initiative to actually do something different and uh and yeah, I think you guys are are fantastic.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Thank you, Jeremy. We'll keep in right. touch. Take care. You got it. Thank you.